Welcome to Everything Yesterday This Morning, a 15 to 20 minute daily recap of headlines you may have missed. Come for the news, stay for the snarky commentary. Good morning and welcome to Monday's edition, Everything Yesterday This Morning. I'm your host, Literally Heather. For the first time, Google has published the number of geofence warrants that it has historically received from the United States authorities, providing a rare glimpse into how frequently these controversial warrants are issued. The figures that were published Thursday reveal that Google has received thousands of geofence warrants each quarter since 2018, and at times accounted for about one quarter of all U.S. warrants that Google receives. The data shows that the vast majority of geofence warrants are obtained by local and state authorities, with federal law enforcement accounting for only 4% of all geofence warrants served on the technology giant. According to the data, Google received 982 geofence warrants in 2018, 8,396 in 2019, and 11,554 in 2020. Those figures only provide a small glimpse into the volume of warrants received and did not break down how often it pushes back on overly broad requests. When reached, Google spokesperson Alex Krasov said in a statement, we vigorously protect the privacy of our users while supporting the important work of law enforcement. In other words, fuck you, plebs. We developed a process specifically for these requests that is designed to honor our legal obligations while narrowing the scope of data disclosed. Albert Fox Kahn, who is the executive director of the Surveillance Technology Oversight Project, or called STOP, which led efforts by dozens of civil rights groups to lobby for the release of these numbers, commended Google for actually releasing them. Geofence warrants are unconstitutionally broad and invasive, and we look forward to the day that they are outlawed completely, said Khan. Geofence warrants are also known as reverse location warrants since they seek to identify people of interest who were in or near the vicinity at the time of a crime. Police do this by asking a court to order Google which stores vast amounts of location data to drive its advertising business, to turn over details of who is in a specific geographic area, such as a radius of a few hundred feet at a certain point in time, to help identify potential suspects. Google has long shied away from providing these figures, shocker, in part because geofence warrants are largely thought to be unique to Google. Law enforcement has long known that Google stores vast troves of location data on its users in a database called SensorVault, first revealed by the New York Times in 2019. SensorVault is said to have the detailed location data on at least hundreds of millions of devices worldwide, collected from users' phones when they use an Android device with location data turned on or Google services like Google Maps, Google Photo, and even Google search results. In 2018, the Associated Press reported 
that Google could still collect users' locations even when their location, location history is paused. But critics have argued that geofence warrants are unconstitutional because the authorities compel Google to turn over data on everyone who was in the geographic area, whether they committed a crime or not. And worse, these warrants have been known to ensnare entirely innocent people. TechCrunch reported earlier this year that Minneapolis police used a geofence warrant to identify individuals who were accused of the violence in the wake of the George Floyd protests, or if that's what you want to call them. Uh, One person on the ground who was filming and documenting the protests had his location data requested by police for being invest. I'm sorry, for being close to the violence. NBC reported last year how a Gainesville, Florida resident whose information was given to Google by Google to police. Oh man, I'm struggling today. To police investigating a burglary was able to prove his innocence thanks to an app on his phone that tracked his fitness activity. Khan, who helped introduce the New York bill last year, said the newly released data will help spur lawmakers to outlaw the technology. Let's be clear, the number of geofence warrants should be zero, he said. I'll be honest, I'm shocked that any judge would sign off on one of these warrants, considering it violates the rights of so many innocent people. Just kidding. I'm not shocked. We live live in a police state where you're guilty until proven innocent, as showcased by the Florida dude who was just working out. This is ridiculous, and although I'm disappointed that the motivation of New York was the Minnesota riots and protecting people who destroyed entire city blocks, but I do agree with the notion that these warrants should not exist. I'm sorry, guys. I've been sick for like three weeks, and I thought that my voice would be better today, but it is still struggling. Um, Airbnb has put a stop to people renting houses that were once where enslaved people once lived. The report, as of Tuesday, December 13th, states that the site will ban listings of any residents on a plantation if structures that existed during the time of slavery are still present on the property. The house cannot be rented or advertised if it was built for the purpose of slavery. And renters are forbidden from promoting, quote, slavery-related features to create a sale. I wish I was joking, but I'm serious. In July, the company was criticized when an 1830s slave cabin listing in Mississippi went viral on TikTok. They removed the listing from the website and issued apology for not acting sooner after the backlash. Brad Hauser, the property owner, apologized and said he would put an end to renting the house. Airbnb is still active in its pursuit to remove listings and, quote, will continue to evaluate cases as they arise. Currently, we have removed listings and experiences associated with roughly 30 properties that are violating our new policies. This updated policy was created with the help of Joby Hill, a historic preservation architect and color of change our policies. 
oh, I'm sorry, Color of Change, which is an online organization that advocates for civil rights. Historic Preservation Architect is an interesting title because preservation would indicate that you wish to preserve history. Erasing it from the site as an option for guests because of its history is doing the exact opposite. Airbnb is a publicly traded company that has a fiduciary responsibility to its shareholders. They just admitted publicly that they removed at least 30 opportunities to make money because some historical preservationist wishes to, checks notes, hide and eliminate historical properties from public exposure. In some Twitter news, it appears that the platform has been used as a proxy arm of the federal government for quite some time, targeting and silencing people who commit the crime of wrong think. The Twitter files have exposed the massive First Amendment violations, campaign contribution violations, and political bias that has been prevalent on the platform for years. I'm not going to go into this in depth for the morning show today, but I am working on a longer, more thought-out piece to cover the Twitter files, so be on the lookout for that after the first of the year. In addition to that, though, Elon Musk has asked Twitter users whether he should step down as the head of the company. Promising to abide by the results of his poll, Musk assumed the role of CEO at the end of October after firing a host of senior executives and dissolving its board of directors. Within minutes of posting the poll, more than 1 million people had voted. My initial thought on this was that he was doing it for one of two reasons. The first, I thought maybe he was testing the polls for bot influence or involvement. And then the second was because they're bots, he could manipulate that. And he's actually already chosen his successor and can make it appear as if he's stepping down per the people's choice. Those are my tinfoil hat conspiracy theories anyway. Um, as of writing this, uh, 13,434,482 people have voted. 56.6% of them say that he should, in fact, yes, step down. Uh, when a successor was mentioned, Musk said, no one wants the job who can actually keep Twitter alive. There is no successor. He also walked back an earlier policy announcement stating that he would be removing accounts that offered, quote, free promotion of certain social media platforms. Musk said the policy would be adjusted to affect only accounts whose primary purpose is promotion of competitors, which essentially falls under the no spam rule. Quite a few people are upset about this, but it makes total sense to me. As an owner of Microsoft, you wouldn't permit someone to come in and set up a booth to sell Apple computers. This is a pretty standard practice, and I'm not sure why anyone would be very surprised by this. I was, however, surprised that in the initial policy, Linktree and similar links were included in the prohibition. This is how many content creators are able to centrally locate and point users to all of their, quote, find me here places more marketing themselves than the companies. Um, Musk also suspended the accounts of several journalists over the weekend after a controversy over publishing public data about the movement of his private jet. This article 
fails to mention that the publication of this data resulted in a psycho stalker following the vehicle carrying his son and jumping on the hood of the car. And California state law prohibits public posting of real-time location data known as doxing. He later reinstated the accounts after criticism from government officials, advocacy groups, and journalism organizations. He put a poll up. The poll said that they should be reinstated immediately instead of after a ban. And he said that people have spoken. Accounts who dox my location will have their suspension lifted now. I can already tell based on where I am, this show is going to be long today. Um, researchers at the Wyss Institute at Harvard University have engineered the first ever vagina on a chip in the world that replicates the human vaginal tissue microenvironment in vitro. For clarification, a computer chip, not a Pringles chip. It is composed of the human vaginal epithelium and underlying connective tissues, and it replicates many of the physiological features of the vagina. According to Harvard, isn't that great, you guys? They've reduced the female anatomy to a computer chip. Best of all, it can be inoculated with different strains of bacteria, allowing researchers to study the effects on the organ's health. The vaginal microbiome plays an important role in regulating vaginal health and disease and has a major impact on prenatal health. Our human vagina chip offers an attractive solution to study host microbiome interactions and accelerate the development of potential probiotic treatments, said the author, Gautam Mahajan, who is a former WIS Institute researcher who now works at Emulate Incorporated. The vagina on a chip was developed with funding from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation to treat vaginal microbiome disruptions caused by bacterial vaginosis. The organization hopes to create a biotherapeutic treatment for BV and move it into human clinical trials to decrease its many negative side effects, such as infections of the reproductive tract, prenatal complications, and infant death rates, particularly in low-resource nations. Now, y'all know I don't like putting on my conspiracy theory hat on this particular show, but it's really hard to imagine that there's no nefarious intent with this type of research when you know the person funding it thinks that we are an overpopulated world, wants everyone to live in the pods and eat the bugs, to make the chip, the team combined the microfluidic organ chip platform developed at the WIS Institute with the human vaginal epithelial cells and human uterine fibroblast cells, essentially replicating the structure of the human vaginal wall. After just five days, the vagina on a chip had developed differentiated cells that matched those found in human vaginal tissue. The scientists then introduced the female sex hormone estradiol, a form of estrogen, into the vagina chip and found that the chip's gene expression patterns changed in response. They had successfully created a living model of the human vagina. Can't imagine where that's going to go. This process was then further tweaked 
to allow for the study of the vaginal microbiome and its many bacteria. I feel like we're playing God, but not in a good way. Scientists found that beyond helping to maintain an acidic environment, the presence of the L. crispatus bacteria also affected the vagina chip's innate immune responses. They also noticed that chips with bacterial consortia produced lower levels of several inflammation-causing cytokine, cytokine molecules than chips without the bacteria. Quote, it was very striking that the different microbial species produce such opposite effects on the human vaginal cells, and we were able to observe and measure those effects quite easily using our vagina chip, said co-author Abidemi Junaid, a research scientist at the WIS Institute. Has, the vagina chip has to be the worst name ever. Uh, the success of these studies demonstrate that this model can be used to test different combinations of microbes to help identify the best probiotic treatments for BV and other conditions. Title 42 expires this week, and El Paso's mayor has officially declared a state of emergency over the influx of migrants from the Mexico border. The mayor of the Texas border city of El Paso declared a state of emergency on Saturday citing the hundreds of migrants sleeping on the streets in cold temperatures and the thousands being apprehended every day. Mayor Oscar Leeser, who is a Democrat, said the emergency declaration would give city authorities the resources and ability to shelter migrants who have crossed the Mexico border. We wanted to make sure people are treated with dignity and we want to make sure everyone is safe, Lesser told reporters. The move of thousands of migrants crossing the border from Mexico. I'm sorry. The move comes as El Paso, a Democratic stronghold with a history of welcoming migrants, immigrants, migrants. I, I'm not even editing this. You guys get the raw version today. Has struggled in recent months to deal with tens of thousands of migrants crossing the border with Mexico. The city's bracing for a possible jump in migrant arrivals after a U.S. judge ordered COVID-era border restrictions, called Title 42, to end by December 21st. A record number of migrants have been caught crossing the U.S.-Mexico border under President Joe Biden, a Democrat who took office in January of 2021, fueling attacks by Republican opponents who favor tougher policies. What is that number, you ask? Well, this article didn't feel the need to disclose that, so I had to go find it elsewhere. The number of unique individuals encountered in just October alone, just one month, was 196,479. That's unique. The total number of encounters, which includes repeat individuals, is 230,678. Want to hear more alarming numbers? So far, this fiscal year, through October of 2022, immigration judges have issued removal and voluntary departure orders in 39.8% of completed cases, totaling only 17,148 deportation orders. However, notably, southern border apprehensions hit a record 2.4 million in the same time frame. It feels like that number pales 
in comparison of the influx, you would be on the same page that I am. Newly indicted FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried is slated to appear in court in the Bahamas on Monday, where he report well today, where he reportedly will change course and agree to no longer fight extradition to the United States. An unnamed official who interacts with Bankman-Fried on a daily basis at the Bahamian prison known as Fox Hill told the Washington Post that he that the God, I am struggling today, you guys. The disgraced FTX founder remarked Friday that he would agree to be extradited back to the U.S. to, quote, face the music if his lawyers could not persuade a judge to grant him bail. So, God, man, the entitlement. If you get me bail, I'm going to stay here and hang out in the Bahamas But if you can't, I guess I'll let you extradite me back to the United States. Like, what? Their first attempt at bail failed after telling the judge that Bankman-Fried should be released in order to continue his vegan dietary needs and continue medication for depression, insomnia, and ADHD. I laughed out loud the first time I read that. Bankman-Fried was arrested Monday and indicted Tuesday in a Manhattan federal court on fraud, money laundering, and campaign finance charges in connection to an alleged scheme to misappropriate billions of dollars of customers' funds deposited with the International Cryptocurrency Exchange, FTX, and mislead investors and lenders to FTX and to Alameda Research that his ex-girlfriend Caroline Ellison, who ran Alameda Research and strolling around downtown New York, feels like a very Pose ain't loyal situation at this time. In the days afterward, federal prosecutors have been contacting Democratic and Republican campaigns about donations that they received from the FTX founder. Those receiving emails from the U.S. Attorney General's Office for the Southern District of New York include the campaign of incoming House Minority Leader Rep. Hakeem Jeffries, as well as Elias Law Group which is a firm that launched the campaign of incoming House Minority Leader. Oh, God, man. Elias Law Group, a firm launched last year by leading Democratic attorney Mark Elias. That name should sound really familiar. Uh, Think Fusion GPS that represents the DNC. The Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee and the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, the New York Times, has reported. This breaks my heart. Can you see the tears running down my face? The cryptocurrency mogul ranked sixth on the overall list of individual donors for the 2022 midterms regarding federal contributions. According to the Washington, D.C.-based nonprofit Open Secrets, Bangman Freed's total contributions during the midterm election cycle amounted to nearly $40 million, with the majority going to Democrats, but just about 235200 went to Republicans. If he waives his right to extradition, an initial court appearance in Manhattan must take place within 48 hours of his arrival in the U.S. I'm sure if you can squeeze in a measly court case, Between scheduled live appearances, 
you might be able to get some legal work done on this case. That is your Monday edition of everything yesterday this morning. I apologize for the horrible job that I did today. Um, I promise to do better tomorrow. You guys take care and I hope you have a wonderful Monday. If you like today's show, be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications so you never miss an episode. Also, please don't forget to check out shouseinthehouse.com and never forget that free men do not need permission from any government. Have a great day.